0: Oh, show me the way to go home, I'm tired and I want to go to bed, I had a little drink about an hour ago, and it's gone right to my
1: head, wherever I may roam, on land or sea or foam, you can always hear me sing a song, show me the way
0: to go home. Hi, this is Thinking Drinking, a podcast about drinks, trivia and social history with absolutely no tasting notes. I'm Tim, and I'm joined in the virtual pub by my drinking buddy Leary. What are you drinking? And thinking about today?
1: Are you ready for this one? Yep. I'm drinking mulled wine. It's Christmas.
0: It is Christmas. Tis yes. the season to be mulled.
1: La la la, um, la 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 la.
0: Um, mulled. By the way, quick fact. Um, I was mm-hmm. wondering if mulled had come from the same kind of root as mulled, mulled wine. If it had anything mm-hmm. to do with that, mulled, the term to be drunk, that seemed to uh, have arisen in the 1990s, mostly. But apparently not. Apparently, yeah. it comes from the romani um term for murdered. They would say mulled rather than murdered. Yeah. You like
1: Makes
0: totally sense. kind of murdered, and that's why mulled also means to beat as well as to be drunk.
1: I see. I see.
0: I'm mm. mm. obviously also drinking mulled wine. Nice.
1: I've um, I've added amaretto to
0: mine. <sighs> <sighs> ah, extra little kick. I was seconds away from also adding amaretto to my mulled wine when I remembered that I had some Slivovica, which is a Czech plum brandy. So I've added that instead as my kick, and it is really good.
1: Mm.
0: I mean, I say it's a good decision. Taste-wise, it's a good decision. But we have decided, haven't we, that we're going to do a two-episode double-bill recording of Moles Things.
1: What a treat. So it's, it's worth, it's worth the, two, to be fair.
0: Yeah, so the fact that I've added a forty-five percent spirit to my malt wine may not be the decision. <laughs> your, what do you think are our chances of getting to the end of episode two with all of our notes and intentions intact?
1: Well, I'm doing my Christmas decorations after this, so should be interesting. <laughs> um, I ha- see. I had today planned out in my head, and it was going to be so lovely. Like because yeah. I knew we were doing the podcast this evening, and it was going to be the Christmas one. So I thought, right, today is officially the day that. All of the Christmas starts, decorations going up, trees up, everything. And the plan was to like get up early, have a nice walk with the dogs, get some you know air, get the tree, just do everything. Have a nice relaxed afternoon, have some chestnuts, I bought some chestnuts and then in the evening then sit surrounded by Christmas with my mild wine and chat to you and have a lovely time. Did not go down that way. <laughs> oh, no. That all
0: sounds idyllic. What's what's happened?
1: I know. So I finally got up at around midday with an enormous hangover. <laughs> um, parts of the day. I just kind of lay on the sofa for a long time, eating bread and drinking cups of tea. I think we finally managed to get out the house at two o'clock to walk the dogs. Uh, neither of us really wanted to walk the dogs. We were arguing over who had to pick the poo up. Um, then we came home and I decided I really needed like some energy to put the tree up. So I went to Starbucks and bought a coffee. And then I just sat on the sofa and said to Chris, like, come on, we've got to go and get the tree. We've got to get the tree. So I managed to get the tree, managed to get the tree up and the tree straight, at which point Chris went, oh, I'm, I'm going to bed. So Chris has gone to bed and I'm just sat in the front room with just a tree up. There's no lights on it. I looked at the lights they're all tangled up I was like nope (laughs) so I'm just sat here with half a tree really (laughs) I'm still a bit hungover but the mold wine will help
0: (laughs) I mean look in my research it's shown that it is medicinal um it was particularly good for stomach problems and digestion so it's clearly the way to go Mm -hmm. and then maybe you'll be inspired to not just have a tree sitting in the middle of your living room after this session (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, it's really annoying the dogs, so. I have roasted
0: chestnuts just before this. They're waiting for me in our interval for a little snack.
1: I'm so organised and smug, it makes me sick.
0: (laughs) And on that note, let me tell you about the origins of mulled wine. (laughs) (laughs) So, we're going to start, I mean, as most of these do, obviously our records go back to the Roman Empire. Um, we have records of spiced wine being a thing from Pliny the Elder, so we're talking 1st, 2nd century AD, it probably predates that. We know that they would have let um, spices infuse into the wine over a period of time, and they probably had it hot, we don't necessarily know that because it's there's no um, written record of it or archaeological record of it. but given that it tastes so nice when it's hot i can only imagine that they did serve it hot um, mm-hmm. so we see it through through rome and they pass it along in much the way that they passed on uh, viticulture really through france we have records of britain trading with montpellier in the south of france from 13th century and then it goes over into spain as well where it eventually becomes Um, something like sangria. And it was considered, as I say, um, medicinal, it was aphrodisiac, but it was also very popular and served at banquets and all sorts of occasions. So in the 16th century, we know it's popular in Britain and it's come to be known as Hippocras, which it remains for a few hundred years. Now it's called Hippocras because it's named after the bag in which the spices were put um, for it mm-hmm. to be infused into the wine. And this bag, y- you would think of it now kind of like, you know, you can get those nut bags, like a cloth bag that you put stuff in, nut bags, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it started. Um, nut milk bags, <laughs> that's not better. No. <laughs> oh God. I mean, these kind of like muslin cloth or cheesecloth type things where you put spices in and you fuse. And, um, I what but, you
1: mean? I'm just being ridiculous. Yes, I know, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, they are credited as being devised by Hippocrates in the fifth century BCE. Hippocrates is the father of medicine. In case you don't know, um, mm-hmm. he was credited as being the one who really separated medicine as a profession and a skill away from things like philosophy. Um, and the um, theurgy you know like kind of magic and ritual practices It was like no we should figure out how to do this properly and he created this conical cloth filter bag to filter water so they're using that now not to filter water but to make wine better and so that's why they named it Hippocrates after him. Um, the spices they're putting in at this time we will recognize the flavor profile certainly it hasn't really changed that much cinnamon ginger clove uh grains of paradise are you familiar with grains of paradise no i love them i have them in my kitchen right now uh, <laughs> and it's it's the kind of gift that i give at christmas to people because you can buy little pots of it from the spy shop they're a bit like pepper but they're mm-hmm. more citrusy they're actually um, part of the ginger family and related to cardamom but yeah they they taste like a citrusy pepper but they are delicious on all sorts of things you can use them on desserts as well as savory things so i like grains of paradise um, and long pepper they would put in it as well which is just a pepper but um long pepper tends to be hotter and then if you were of the upper classes you would add sugar for your sweetener and if you were the lower classes you would add honey uh, and that was in Britain. In France, they tended to put more fruit in it, apples, oranges, um, also nuts, almonds, um, and they would put some sort of musk in it. So they would use things like ambergris, which is um, <laughs> comes from sperm whales, ambergris it's gray amber it's like this waxy substance that's produced in their um digestive system yeah which is pretty gross but it's used in like a lot of perfumes um and mm-hmm. that for, for musk musk flavors notes um then where do we get up to it's it sort of falls out of fashion calling it Hippocrates in the 18th century and it starts to be called more ecclesiastical names in Britain at least, so the most famous of which is Smoking Bishop and you will actually um, be able to, to read references to this in Dickens's A Christmas Carol very famously so, if you're watching a version over the seasonal period that is not the Muppets Christmas Carol although why it's would you because it's the best version so obviously yeah. you watch it it's the
1: only one
0: it's the only version definitive Dickens didn't know what he was talking about um, <laughs> so the passage is I mean you'll, you'll know the occasion a merry Christmas Bob said Scrooge with an earnestness that could not be mistaken as he clapped him on the back a merrier christmas bob my good fellow than i have given you for many a year i'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family and we will discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a bowl of smoking bishop bob
1: ah.
0: so very popular at the time and of course um drinking out of shared bowls as well was you know, still a practice, which we'll talk more about when we get to sailing
1: not really very 2020.
0: It's not a 2020 thing and I do worry about the upcoming uh, uh, wassail uh, festivities but we'll talk more about that later. So Smoking Bishop I will read you the recipe. I think it sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. This is from Eliza Acton's uh, book Modern Cookery from 1845. Make several incisions in the rind of a lemon Stick cloves in these and roast the lemon by a slow fire. Put small but equal quantities of cinnamon, cloves, mace and allspice with a race of ginger into a saucepan with half a pint of water. Let it boil until it is reduced one half. Boil one bottle of port wine. Burn a portion of the spirit out of it by applying a lighted paper to the saucepan. Put the roasted lemon and spice into the wine, stir it up well and let it stand near the fire 10 minutes. Rub a few knobs. Of sugar on the rind of a lemon, put the sugar into a bowl or jug with the juice of half a lemon not roasted, pour the wine into it, grate in some nutmeg, sweeten it to the taste and serve it up with the lemon and spice floating in it. Bishop is frequently made with a Seville orange stuck with cloves and slowly roasted and its flavour to many tastes is infinitely finer than that of the lemon." So Crucially, they roast the fruit before they infuse it in the wine, which I think is really nice. Yeah. And it's, it's got port in it as well as all the sugar and spices. So it's all caramelized and lovely. That so good
1: incredible.
0: Too. Yeah, I think so too. And then there's other versions as well. So a smoking archbishop is made with claret. Smoking beadle is made with ginger wine and raisins. A smoking cardinal is made with champagne or rhine wine and you do get kind of mulled white wines, so they're, they're less in favor and the smoking pope is made with burgundy and the reason we think it's kind of ecclesiastical why smoking bishop came about is because of the shape of the punch bowl it looks a bit like a bishop's mitre um in the illustrations at least anyway so that's probably where it came from mm-hmm and then it's you know later much later than that really as we get into the 20th century that mold wine is uh, the term we use, mould probably coming from stewing um, in that sense. Yeah. yeah. In the Netherlands though they still call it bishop's wine so they held on to that they didn't go to uh, most of the other terms that people use. You find around the world um but obviously you know lots of people are having spiced hot wine and it's all more or less the same they they have a tendency to add in some of their local spirits as well uh, to make yeah. it distinctive but most of them they call it hot wine or burnt wine or smoldering wine um smoldering i like because uh, <laughs> it just sounds sexier <laughs> that wine is smoldering that's that's the translation of glue wine actually glue vine the German version. Yeah, yeah, the German version of Glühwein is smouldering. Um, it was popularised, Glühwein, actually, by Count John IV of Katzenelnbogen. Um, and he was the first grower of Riesling grapes, which is probably the most f- famous German grape and also very sweet as well. So it would make quite a good white mulled wine, the Riesling, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in, I think, the 15th century. And um, they have another version of it as well, of Glühwein, called Bowl, which means fire, tongs, punch. <laughs> um, punches in bowl, not ooh. <laughs> <laughs> And it's kind of similar. If you imagine it a bit like how you drink absinthe. So they would have the... Cheer. A lovely bowl. <laughs> no, not china <Jenna. laughs> We discussed this. <laughs> um, so you have the lovely bowl and on top of it, it would have um, like, a, like a plate, well, tongs, I suppose it is. And then on top, they have a sugar loaf. You know, it's like yeah. a, a big sugar cube and that will be soaked in rum and then they set it on fire. So the rum soaked sugar drips down into... Um, into the into the wine into the mulled wine as well which sounds pretty great yeah i'm
1: I'm gonna try
0: that
1: i'm gonna ask santa for some tongs
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think you might need to be specific he might give you some hair tongs (laughs) (laughs) all right okay um other similar things Uh, i think you'll probably have heard of glog or glug or Mm -hmm. gluggy Um, and all variants of that that come from the Scandinavian countries. Again it's very similar, they might add some vodka um, or aquavit or something like that to make it a little bit stronger. (laughs) Hmm?
1: They might add some pips.
0: Well, I was going to get to that. <laughs> Here we go. So I was going to say they, they tend to put more things in it as well, leave it in like cloves and almonds and raisins and, and so forth. Now, I remember we met on London South Bank at the Christmas market a year or two ago, and we went and got some... Well, you got the strongest version they had of any malt drink, which happened to be the, the glug with added spirits. But... Um, as we were drinking it, what happened?
1: I think I started, like, making some weird noises because there was something strange in my mouth. <laughs> and you turned to me and you <laughs> said, what's wrong with them? I was like, oh, there's pips in it. <laughs> to which you just thought I was completely the most common person in the Christmas market. Uh, <laughs> there's pips in my
0: glog. <laughs> no, hun, they're cloves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was really pleasing (laughs) Um, another thing you should not be surprised to encounter um, if you are in scandinavia and you're offered a glog is for it to be accompanied by rice pudding
1: oh i love rice pudding
0: yeah that is the most common thing it's a real popular thing for them um, at christmas and they will often have it as they'll have the glog first and then they'll have some rice pudding which I think is a good idea to kind of soak up that really strong alcohol. It must make you feel really yeah. warm and cosy.
1: Oh, man, my nana makes the best rice pudding. And I know this is probably going to kind of split people down the middle, but it depends how you feel about rice pudding skin. Because it gets like skin on top of it. Right. And I just love it. I used to get in trouble because I'd literally like peel the skin off the whole rice pudding and eat it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's an acquired experience, I guess, because of the texture, but um, (laughs) if you put enough sugar on there, it's probably quite, quite lovely. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: So there we go. That's what I wanted to offer you about the the history and the background of mulled wines that I have discovered. There are many variants, but they're all pretty much the same. I suppose the only other thing to mention is that in Southern Hemisphere countries, they do still drink it and they do have their own versions, like, you know, Brazil will add cachaca, but they drink them in June because Mm. they are still tied to the winter solstice. They're still winter drinks. So for them, the association isn't with Christmas or you know anything like that. It is. It is still very much um, they have it as a warming drink in the winter, and they therefore tie it to their June-based celebrations, feast days, that kind of thing. Yeah,
1: Mm. nice.
0: Right, over to you while I um, get sipping on my um, wine before it gets cold. <laughs>
1: uh, so I looked into um, an alternative drinks. So not everyone around the world drinks mulled wine at Christmas. Uh, nice. Countries, I, I know. I didn't why, would you, why would
0: you drink anything else?
1: <laughs> I like to think that the list of drinks I've got in front of me here are essentially drinks that people drink when they can't get mulled wine. Okay. So these are different Christmas traditional drinks around the world. I'm gonna start off in Mexico. So they enjoy a drink called rompope. Um, It's very similar to eggnog actually. So it's made with nuts such as almonds, um, sugar, milk, cinnamon sticks, vanilla, egg yolk, and then mezcal. Um, It's very strong and it's very sweet. So it's served in quite small glasses. And it was apparently made by the nuns of Santa Clara Covent, um, which is interesting because obviously they claim to have never drunk a drop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: trope. Um, right, so
1: the nun- nuns apparently made it as a, a you know, a means of income. They needed some income, so they it became very popular and they sold it as a means of income for the Covent. Um, which I think is a great idea, just getting you fixed from the nuns. <laughs> <laughs> That's why everyone um, has religion. <laughs> yeah. Just to
0: get booze. Fix.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you fixed. Fix your booze or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Lithuania is next on my list. Uh, I like the name of this one. It's Krampnikas.
0: Ooh.
1: Um, and that is a honey liquor. It's made from grain, alcohol, citrus, spices, water and honey. Um, as you said about the whole mulled wine thing, it's very similar recipes and the spices are the same. It's usually cinnamon sticks, vanilla pods, ginger, cloves, spice. So it's that kind of flavour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the story behind it because they believe so in Lithuania, they believe that this drink, um, it wards off colds but also darkness and evil spirits. Um, And it was first made by the Benedictine monks in the early 1500s and quickly became very popular. So I've seen a theme here, which is basically bored religious people making booze to give to people.
0: (laughs) I mean, that is the history of a lot of booze. (laughs) (laughs) And I do like the idea of drinking to ward away spirits. It's kind of the
1: irony. (laughs) I'm doing this for my family. I'm keeping you all safe, you're welcome. (laughs) um so yeah it was made by the benedictine monks um production shut down um for a number of years uh for the soviets but the elders held onto the recipes and passed it down to generations and that kept it alive it's quite nice they recommend that you enjoy it warm out of the pot whilst gathered around the stove with friends and family very nice So,
0: can I can I have it regardless?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, France is next on the list, and probably one that you've heard of, which is Quai Royal. Yes. So they obviously are very good at champagne, and this is a champagne cocktail. Uh, It's Creme de Cassis, which is a blackberry um, liqueur, and it's added to a champagne flute. And then just topped up with bubbly. And apparently, like a true connoisseur would know exactly the right port just from color alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a slightly blush hued kind of flute. So, um, yeah, you just put a little bit of creme in first and then champagne.
0: Delicious. Um, you have to make two corrections already, though. Oh, what? Cassis is blackcurrant, not blackberry.
1: Oh, sorry. Did I say BlackBerry? I meant blackcurrant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the other, we both made, and I just know some some pedant at home is grinding their teeth. We both referred to the almond as a nut, and it's not. It's a droop. We know that, though, and we don't care, so shut up.
1: Take your droopy tits and shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's those pedants told. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I told them. <laughs> um, while I'm angry, I'm going to move on to Italy. Uh, because they drink <laughs> <laughs> they drink Bellinis, and I hate anything to do with peach, so nope. Um,
0: That's so that is a weird, it's quite a weird Christmas choice.
1: Yeah, feels summery. I didn't really read into it because, to be honest, that just it angers me anything peach flavored. But I assume it's kind of, you know, France have gone well. You know, we're really good at. Um, Champagne, so we're going to do the cure royale. And perhaps Italy were like, well, we're very good at Prosecco, so we'll make Bellinis, maybe. Yep. Either way, they can shove it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You've already got an angry drunk, and we're only 20 minutes in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just peach, doesn't matter. Next, Puerto Rico. They make a drink called Coquito, which translates to little coconut. Oh. But it's also referred to as coconut eggnog because it's got a similar creamy texture. Sounds incredibly sweet. Uh, It's using coconut milk, coconut cream and condensed milk uh, mixed with Puerto Rican rum. Sounds intense.
0: Yeah, Um, I can't really see the logic of putting three different creamy things together. Yeah. Just pick one and go for it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but it's quite, it's quite um common for like different houses to have slightly different recipes depending on taste because like you say some people might not like it as sweet so they'll go easy on the condensed milk or mm-hmm. whatever so that's one i don't know if i'd like to try that i love rum but that just sounds like a lot of creaminess no <laughs> last last one you uh actually mentioned this but um A different country. You said you were drinking a plum. Was it a plum liquor you put in your. Yeah, yeah, plum
0: brandy from Czechia. Plum
1: brandy. So, my last one on my list is from Romania and it's called Tuica. It's about T U I C A, Tuica. And it's a potent spirit distilled from plums. So, it is like a a plum brandy. Mm. Um, but rather than like adding it to mulled wine or anything, they drink it as a shot. So it's it's drunk at every celebration, but particularly comes out at Christmas. Um, and it's said to aid digestion and stimulate the appetite. So they tend to do it at the start of a meal on an empty stomach, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because it's sixty percent proof. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it's going to warm you up as well in the wintertime. But yeah, um, again, this is n- more often than not made in like kitchens or household stills out the back. <laughs> so that's why it's so strong. I'd like to try that. Yeah. Make, not making it, just drinking it. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, the Christmas tour of the world. I think actually, I think most of the cultures I've looked at, they do say you drink this before you eat. It is a you know, it is a digestive essentially, yeah. People seem to do that, which I think is a good idea, especially if you've been out in the cold and you have one and then you come home and you eat.
1: Mm, Yes,
0: did you um used to leave a beverage out for Santa?
1: I did when I was small, I used to leave a glass of milk out for Santa. And then as I got a little bit older and Santa got a bit more demanding, he was asking for beer. So
0: well, you defy the British norms um with both milk and beer. Um the the standard British approach is sherry.
1: Really? I didn't know wow. Santa was a 90-year-old woman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, he um He loves sherry in Britain. I used to leave sherry out. That's always been the the tradition. Really? Gosh. There are two cultures who leave out milk and beer. So the US is the one that leaves out milk, milk and cookies. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because they're all Puritan and stuff.
1: (laughs) Hey, I used to leave out milk until Santa asked for booze.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Got bored of the milk. Uh, The US (laughs) do that um australia needs beer beer and cookies from australia of
1: course course. and a really offensive note (laughs) there
0: you go you bastard (laughs) drink your beer and get out (laughs) um i mean it makes sense though it is like the middle of summer in australia when santa's coming around he doesn't want any sherry or whatever you know like he wants a nice lager yeah. Shame he's in Australia, really. Um, and then <laughs> the, other, the other beer actually is Ireland. They traditionally leave out Guinness.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, of course they do. I love that the the only ones... Re- well, I have seen some instances where um, maybe Norway does leave out beer as well, along mm. with rice pudding. Oh,
1: God. Leave, I wish Santa I was Santa. leave
0: out rice pudding for Santa, uh, most of them don't give alcohol but apparently some in, in Norway some of them do do here. but I like that if you said you know what countries around the world and there aren't many of them traditionally leave out alcohol for Santa it's Britain with sherry it's Ireland with Guinness and it's Australia with lager <laughs> Can
1: you imagine all those kids in Norway if I was Santa has he been yeah but he just set the top of the Put pudding I don't get
0: it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he was in a hurry he could only get through the top part of it um, one of the nice ones I like in Iceland, they leave a very decorative sort of flatbread, leaf bread, it's like a crispy mm. wafer thing. Um, but they have 26 days of Christmas in Iceland. There are actually, they have 13 Santas. Who bring wow. Gifts and snacks and stuff. So yeah, like a nice wafer bread they leave out.
1: Um, I love Iceland. I could live there, I think.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty special place, isn't it? Everything there seems slightly magical. Um, they have some. There are some rubbish ones as well, like um, <laughs> uh, the one. Mostly the ones that focus on the reindeer slash horses, depending on which culture you are. They sometimes believe it's reindeer and horses, and they leave out yeah. just like hay and water, hay and water <laughs> in Argentina, or carrots and hay in the Netherlands. He's like, Ugh, that's a bit. That's a bit dull, but nothing is worse than Germany. Now what do you why do you think I dislike what Germany does so much? What do you think they leave out?
1: Um, God there could be so many things that would anger you. Just I don't know like a, a glass of water.
0: <laughs> We've already had water from uh from our oh, yeah. water and, hay. Water
1: and hay. Mm, Um.
0: So in Germany, they have the Christkind, which is like the Christmas angel. Um, I mean, okay. already gross. Um, but what they do is the children have to write handwritten letters and decorate it with sparkles and markers. And then in the morning, the letters have gone and in the place of gifts.
1: So he doesn't get anything to eat or drink.
0: Imagine having to be either of those parties, either Santa who just gets, you know, like a, a gaudy letter, or the child who has to sit and do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be either of those people.
1: <laughs> I'd be so uh, large. Somebody needs to tell those kids as well. Like, Santa didn't take those letters; he burnt them because you didn't leave him anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so if anything, I'm I'm very pleased. I'd go with the sherry offering. I think if I was going to choose them more.
1: No I think beer is the way for me and a bit of rice pudding skin. Beer and some rice pudding skin for me please.
0: (laughs) You're not as much of an old lady as I am. You need to go to Norway then that's your that's your hope. (laughs) Um, Speaking of different Santas it got me thinking about Saint Nick, Saint Nicholas Mm -hmm. of Myra the uh the fourth century saint that is you know, roundly confused with um, with Father Christmas now, I suppose, and Christmas Day. Um, they've sort of yeah. been bunged into one. But amongst all the things he is saint of, he is a uh, saint of Brewers. And well,
1: well, well.
0: Because one of the stories, there are many, of um, Nicholas's miracles is that he found himself at an inn and three travellers had been robbed and murdered. And uh, he prayed to God for their resurrection, which led to an association of him being a protector of travellers and brewers, um, because the inn had beer, essentially. (laughs) Um, But he's also um, the uh, saints of uh, thieves and um, prostitutes and children.
1: (laughs) Wow, what a list.
0: (laughs) It is quite a list, isn't it? Um, so it's no wonder that, um, you know, St. Nicholas is taken, uh, is celebrated kind of like extra hard in the Netherlands. Um, they have Sinterklaas, they celebrate rather than Christmas traditionally a mm-hmm. lot. Like some of them will do both now, but they tend to focus more on the St. Nicholas celebrations rather than the Christmas Day celebrations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's another christmas saint who's associated with brewing and that's saint wenceslas
1: yes
0: um who is the uh the czech Saint, who you know in, famously in the carol invited a, a peasant in from a from a cold winter's night um but wenceslas uh, apparently banned the export of bohemian hops so he was protecting um, protecting their right to native hops um, in their homeland, so that's why he's yeah. associated with the Saint of Brewers as well.
1: Good man. Yeah,
0: and then obviously you know Saint Bridget of Ireland um, is also because um, she turned some dirty bath water into beer. <laughs> no, I'm out. <laughs> Would you drink dirty bath water turned into beer by Saint Bridget? Uh, no,
1: and I've drunk some weird stuff on this podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit controversial as, as things go. <laughs> um, so there we go. That was my investigation into uh, drinks for Santa. I might I might think carefully about what I leave out this year because tried lot, tried him. lots of different things this year, and I feel like you know sherry would just be too boring. What, what are your yeah
1: ideas? i might just leave him all of the drinks on my list that i had from mexico lithuania
0: mm-hmm.
1: everywhere and just so you can just get on it
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um i think i'm just gonna send him a link to the podcast and <laughs> say
1: make him make him off. a bougie letter <laughs> <laughs>
0: That would be my letter. It would just be a written down web address. <laughs> okay. With some
1: glitter on it.
0: Be digital. <laughs> glitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's it for me for more wine. You got anything else to add, or are we do um a, are we do a pee break before we get into part two?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I need to, I need more mulled wine than a wee.
0: Mm. All right then. So on that note, our glasses have run cold. Which means it's time to reheat and recharge our glasses or possibly bowls, as we shall find out later for part two. Bye yes.
1: bye, peanut bag.
0: Wherever <laughs> I may roll or land off the awful. You can always hear me sing in the sky. Show me the way to go. Good King Wenceslas looked out at snowy Christmas time He saw below a dirty lout necking a wine Chin it love, the drunkard yelled, then danced a merry jig Her pissness was unparalleled, her manners of a pig